In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson and welcome to episode 364 this week on the show mr and mischief known to their friends and admirers as jeff and andy crocker are here to talk about their latest show 40 watts from nowhere which is coming home to los angeles this november after a triumphant run at the without walls festival in san diego I got to experience it there, and let me tell you, this is one of my favorite shows of the year. It's an experiential documentary, yes, those are a thing, that puts you and a small group into the shoes of Sue Carpenter, who ran the pirate radio station KDLT out of the closet of her apartment in Silver Lake back in the late 90s. And since you're Sue, that means that you will be running said pirate station for an hour, in a sense, as you also experience beats from Sue's memoir, which gives the show its title, 40 Watts from Nowhere. No Pro Patreon in LA. Yeah, no Pro. No Pro. Pa- No Pro Patreon backers in LA, if you haven't seen the noticed already, stick around to the end to find out what... No Pro Patreon backers in LA, if you haven't seen the notice already, stick around to the end to find out what's waiting for you in the backer feed. For everyone else, check those show notes. As you might know, we also have a few events we're involved with coming up, with just a handful of tickets left for the Denver Immersive Gathering, which is coming up on November 4th through 6th. I'll be setting up attendees' schedules this weekend, possibly while you are listening to this, and I look forward to seeing many of you there. And a whole lot of you will get to meet up in New York City for the sold-out immersive meetup at Gymnopedia on November 14th, hosted by our friends at Houseworld with their show Bottom of the Ocean, and with our own Ali Murata moderating the night's panel. Finally, I may be taking this weekend and the days around it as a break, but our Patreon campaign never ends. And I want to thank our latest and a few returning backers, plus our latest sustaining backer, Let's start with that sustaining backer, Wynn Thorne, who has upped their pledge into the top tier. But that's not all this week. We've also got Michael Terragarver, Moose Mamet, Corinne Anwicks, Stacey H. Hernandez, and Lee Derrick, all helping to keep this ship afloat. We stand right now at 392 backers, just eight away from 400, and only $13 in pledges from hitting the midway point of our campaign super goal of $5,000 a month, which would fully fund our efforts here. So they're halfway to the goal. So that means uh, $2,500. So don't get, don't get too excited. <laughs> But get excited. So if you can, please jump in. If you're a backer who maybe hasn't gotten any Patreon updates in a while, it could be because your card declined. There were about a hundred of those who I reached out to for the first time last week, some of them going back years. And I'm not entirely sure that the, hey, um, your credit card declined uh, message went through, which would 
which would be ironic. Uh, but it would mean the world to me if we could hit those two goals this month, especially maybe over the weekend, because, you know, my birthday. Anyway, uh, if you're able, please back us at www.patreon.com slash no proscenium. And if you already do, or if times are tight like they are for me, take a moment to drop us a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and help spread the word it's silly, but it really helps. We're also on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers, just like Jeff and Andy did, like our friends at Bottom of the Ocean did. Hit me up at noah at noprosinium.com for details. Uh, maybe there's something in the works, uh, maybe for people not in LA or New York. Something's cooking. Uh, but don't. I probably shouldn't have said that because the the ink's not dry, but something's cooking. Uh, As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Ari Hurston, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, and uh, congratulations on getting getting your show unbound up in uh, in Palm Springs soon, uh, Jerome. Wynn Thorne, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Sidney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. And... Stick around for afterwards, and uh, I'll give you a little sneak peek at what's coming up on our next couple of episodes uh, and what we've got coming up after the bye week. Oh, boy. I can't wait to tell you, except I'm going to wait to tell you the entire podcast long. This this interview, though, this is so fun. Don't skip ahead. This is the most fun I had in a while, and I've had a lot of fun lately. Are broadcasting to you live from an undisclosed location, which is the home of Mr. and Mischief. That would be Jeff Crocker. Hello. And Andy Crocker. Howdy. You can figure out which one's the Mr. and which, one, which one's the Mischief. Uh, I did it in order, don't worry. Uh, and uh, they are uh, two of our favorite creators here on the Los Angeles immersive scene. Uh, you may know them from such shows as... I was about to do a Troy McClure, sorry. Uh, I was so, so tempted. <laughs> Lean into it. Yeah, I should have just done it. Why did I call it out? Um <laughs> Escape from Gato, which almost sounds, let's be honest, that sounds a bit like a Troy McClure movie. You may know me from such movies as Escape from Gato and 40 Watts from Nowhere. That's right. That's right. Yeah, why didn't I just do that? Jeez. You did. I should just take it over again. Anyway, <laughs> so we're here. I'm a little loopy. It's towards the end of the day for me. Uh, it's towards the end of the day for Jeff and Andy as well. And they've got some work coming up. We'll get to that in a bit here. Uh, very excited to talk about that. Uh, but also Andy, uh, just wrapped work on something that's running right now in a couple of places in the country. And that would be tricks and treats, not or, and treats. And I wonder, uh, if you could tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's super exciting. And if you live in the San Francisco Bay area or in the Shakopee, Minnesota Area. I'm shocked. It's in Shakopee. Uh, shocking Shakopee. Uh, at Valley Fair or California's Great America, you can come see this new uh, park takeover uh, that basically those two parks have uh, are reimagining Halloween. Uh, they're retiring their previous uh, ha- more traditional theme park haunts. And uh, I was brought in to kind of help... Uh, 
creative direct and reimagine what Halloween looks like if it's for everyone and not just uh, people looking to have the pants scared off of them. So, so it's not just hanging chunks of meat everywhere? Like No, but... Now I want to figure out a family-friendly <laughs> meat chunk hanging situation. Well, I mean, I like, that, Christmas. I like that that basically implies that, like, maybe Halloween is just a deli. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I will, go to certain mazes, it sure does feel that way. Yeah. So. Uh, and I think the thing, they, they came to me with this question originally, or a whole group of us in this charrette, and the question was, what, what is a family-friendly haunt look like? And my big sort of thing that I keep repeating over and over again is that uh, you know family friendly is this term that uh, I feel like means something different than we intend it to that family is this uh, family friendly people assume that means you have little kids and I really was pushing for something that if you didn't have a kid, it wouldn't be weird if you were there. And so I really right. wanted to pivot from the idea of family friendly to Halloween for everyone, meaning that it still feels like Halloween, but the point of it is not terror. The point of it is to celebrate the season hard. Why, style. back in my day, we called that four quadrant entertainment. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, and so we did this. Uh, that was the sort of pivot and the idea behind it. And we spent the year building this new show product event park takeover everyone made a face when i said show product. yeah show product sounds like the velveta of experiences <laughs> Listen, like I didn't the, the, the globo corp entertainment <laughs> well it's, it's blah, blah, blah. globo corp presents it's, show product it's also four. like 53 shows really yeah, okay. and it's, that's true it's and it's you know more than an overlay uh less than a whole new park it's four lands we totally you know took over with all these events of the season and um i feel like i could give a whole ted talk on that but that's not what tonight's about no but i do think that your the way you've been talking about what family friendly is and what family is and what halloween is and isn't is, is really i think unique so the thing i always say about family friendly is that a contemporary view of what family is is what we're trying to create, which is like family mm. is your chosen family. Family is multi-generational. Family is your work posse, your squad, your best friends, the person you're on a date with that you're hoping to start a family with. All of those are incorporated in how we like to view family friendly. And so that's why we ended up with calling it Halloween for everyone. Will it be scary? You cannot determine what is scary for someone. What do you mean? Jeff has heard me make this. <laughs> no. Jeff has listened to me present this deck so, so many times at this, this point. This is true, but also, the, but also, this, this is this. a. I think this is a. It's a. It's a unique example. There's a couple of unique examples of like what is scary because scary is not always just clown with chainsaw. No, S- scary for me is never a clown with chainsaw. What right? is what is scary for you, Noah? So I mean the 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 most freaked out I've been saying a movie was Blair Witch Project because it's all tension and then just at the end and the standing in the corner and this I can still remember the sound I made uh when you saw Mike in the corner and it was just this big oh it was just this like guttural woof of and then you know 
the movie just kind of ends five seconds later. That's right. And then we just all came out of that movie theater in various states of shock and then saw that sci-fi was going to have like a Leonard Nimoy style special the next weekend. And we all got back. The same people got back together in someone's house and watched the, the fake history of Blair Witch. So like it's that it's, it's, it's the stuff that's just like unnerving and, you know, it's it's the the thing on the on on the rooftop that just moved. Did that move? Did I was going to say for our listening audience, Noah did just point to our actual rooftop, and it did frighten me. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you, it, I bought it's, that. It's the cat staring at the ceiling, <laughs> and and there's nothing there. But you're like, wait, does the cat see something? I don't. Those you, are the things. That you know what scares me? Getting into a ride share. And seeing the check engine light on. Are you being serious? Yeah. How long has that been on? Am I going to get to the Burbank airport on time? Wow. <laughs> <That's> chilling. <laughs> that was chilling. You have that nightmare every night, don't you? What is what is scary, Andy? What is scary to me? Yeah. Personally? Oh, um, I don't like stairs. I think this is a, good, a fact about me. I don't like huh. watching people go up or down stairs. Um, I find scares, stairs, scares to be... Steery? Mm-hmm. Now who's tired and loopy? Uh, and the I think the example I always love to give is, I love to give two examples. One is that well-known fact, Tyra Banks, afraid of dolphins. Huh. Uh, and our daughter loves Godzilla, loves monsters, super into haunted mansions, super into goblins, etc. Scared of bubblegum. Like you just can't determine what is scary to anyone, especially not a kid. I stand by bubblegum. Because <laughs> if you don't know what's happening. If you've been on the earth for four years and never seen a pink bubble emerge from someone's face, that is scary. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can see that being shocking. So I just... When I'm talking about Halloween things, I just say you can't promise a scare-free Halloween. That's not a thing. Also, a Halloween without facing any fears is not Halloween. So then it's just fall, which is fine. So if people are 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 seeking out a scare at tricks and treats, though, will will they will they be able to? No, probably. If if someone's like, I can't wait to get terrified, it's probably not the event. It's but it is like very spooky. There's like a whole land called Spooky Spires that's all like. New Orleans jazzy haunted feeling and there's nice. a land called Ickyville which is like garbage pale kids zombies gross out 90s so it really still has all that like Halloween feeling it's yeah. just without the startles and really at the mm. core of it the thing that we've done is that we changed the relationship of guest and monster so that it's not adversarial, it's collaborative. And so guests and monsters are collaborating to celebrate Halloween together. Oh, cool. And so you still have all your monsters, your just relationship with them is different. They're not out to get you, they're out to party with you. Yeah. Uh, nice. So that's really at the core of it is just that flip. I like that. Also, jump scares, I tend to find you know, boring. Like being no. startled, you know, like, okay, you know. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not a fan. You like a yeah. slow burn tension. I love a slow. Burn I love tension. a slow. I also love, I love a, slow a slow burn, burn tension. Yeah, the, the a big a big reveal, and then you're just like, oh god, you know. Uh, I, I will say, since we are on, although alien but, alien jump oh. scare level, just like alien, like sure, oh god, yeah, yeah, that's alien though. That's a masterclass. We were. I can't remember where. Maybe we were having dinner with David or something. We were talking about 
you know, so many people have this experience of they say, um, I was a theater person and I lived my life and then I saw Sleep No More. It's it's like there's that right. like pivot. And honestly, for me, a huge pivot in my life was seeing The Willows because I didn't like being scared. I wasn't, intru- I didn't, I was like, do not make me go to a haunt, like mm. no gracias. And uh, our friend Malcolm was like, you need to see this. It's different. And I had never been so scared. <laughs> I think I asked Malcolm before we went, like, is is it scary? He's like, no, no, it's spooky. It's spooky, but it's not scary. And then I, I would agree with that. I think it's super spooky. It's scary, depending on who you are. Um, and then one of the people in this relationship was the one chosen at the end. <laughs> one of those people oh. is the one that doesn't like scary things. And one of those people, uh, life changed after him. Oh, wow. Yeah, changed my life. That that was a pivotal moment in my career as a director and as a, a, pers- as a consumer of media uh, and understanding fear in a, in a different way and how powerful that can be in storytelling. So now we'll head 180 degrees and 40 watts from nowhere. Rock and roll. Boom! To talk about that show. And I, I had the pleasure of seeing it at in its first incarnation at without walls. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess his first public incarnation. Cause like you, you built, you stood it up to test it out. Right. You know, yeah, like, but it was yeah. for yeah, the that, service of exactly, without walls. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I just, I can be a little pedantic sometimes. <laughs> um, someone just really drank. Um, I, I don't want to give away too much about the show because it's such, it was such a delight at least I don't want to. You guys give whatever the hell you want. It's your choice. Um, so I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it here. But um, what? What is? Yeah. What is? I was going to say the good news is there's not much to spoil. Yeah. Because it's based on a book. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's based on the book Forty Watts from Nowhere" by Sue Carpenter. Are we supposed to talk about it now? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's based on a book. Um, we. I read the book uh, years ago now, right? It wouldn't have been years ago if it wasn't for the... Yeah, the I think I think rewind back to why you found it, because that's fun. Jeff was like, we do site-specific, site-responsive stuff. Let me look into stories in from our neighborhood. Like, what are the, what are the tales told about where we live? And mm. that's how this whole thing started. Yeah, it was sort of looking through sort of um, the esoteric, obscure history of the east side of Hollywood, and stumbled across a blog post that talks about how Silver Lake used to have a pirate radio station. And I distinctly remember looking it up and doing more research and finding finding an article about Sue Carpenter. I'm going, okay, and I wrote down Sue Carpenter. And then finding an uh, article from, that was sort of a, a write-up of an MTV News segment about the proprietor of KBLT named Paige Jarrett. It's like, okay, wrote down Paige Jarrett um, and tried to research and never could find out where these two were ever in the same room at the same time talking (laughs) about KBLT. And so finally got a copy of of Sue's book and uh, lo and behold, not a huge spoiler, uh, they're the same person. Uh, And Paige Jarrett was Sue's uh, alter ego. Um, while she was running KBLT out of her closet in Silver Lake. And Jeff read the book in like a night, two nights. Quick and, read, great and read. woke me up and was like, I think this is our next show. Uh, I read it. And then we went, okay, she's a little bit older than us. It takes place in our neighborhood. I wonder if we could find her, if she's still around. And 
God bless my Facebook moms group. I posted, <laughs> does anyone know Sue, know Sue Carpenter? And I'm not exaggerating. 10 minutes later, that someone was like, yeah, here's her number. She's expecting a call from you. And that's how we found our urban legend, badass Sue Carpenter, the Facebook moms group. <laughs> There's Who's, nothing more badass than a Facebook moms group. Who said Mark Zuckerberg never did anything for art? <laughs> yes, exactly. thank you, sir, yeah. for your service. Uh, so you you you'd found the book you found sue and then you i i once in a while docu theater happens right someone someone takes something that was real there there's some very famous examples of it uh i've don't know of docu immersive theater i don't i don't think i've ever seen someone do something that was based on someone's real experience and try to put you into their shoes other than maybe a few like charity event things that'll, the, the that'll o- kind of put you into a yeah. theoretical person, but not an actual, like this particular niv. Yeah. We, we've been, uh, we've been referring to this as an experiential documentary yeah. in that sense. Yeah. The only other one of note that I can think of, uh, please correct me when I'm wrong is Lance Weiler's where there's smoke. You're right. You're right. But I don't. Catherine's seen that one. She's not here. Uh, uh, she's working. She's working for Meta these days, so that's why she's not here. Uh, cat. The cat is finally out of the bag on that. Um, and uh, like they won't let her play with us anymore. Uh, <laughs> we had to sign legal documents. Uh, I'm serious. We actually had to. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know if you're embodied as his him or oh, his father in yeah, that one right like it's 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 totally documentary and it's and it but i don't know if you get put into you know a, a particular person's shoes i could totally imagine that that is what would happen it's a piece i'd love to see someday. yeah hi lance um but yeah i don't know yeah that i mean that is our angle on it is that you are you know you spend a day in the life of this real person yeah and the tricky thing is how do you tell a true story that you can't change the ending yeah, because that's how, how it happened and still allow it to really be experiential and really give you some, not, you know, not the illusion of choice, but some real choices, even if they're not narrative, even if they're not going to, you can't escape the fate of the real thing that happened because we really wanted to stay true to her story. And, and I will say one of the things in talking to the real Sue that she was excited about was uh, that we weren't going to put extra stuff on top of it. We weren't no. going to add extra twists and turns. We really stuck pretty authentically to the true facts as she remembered them. Yeah. Sometimes we ask her things and she's like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, so I think that there had been some people that had... Uh, wanted to tell this story in different ways before, but they always wanted to sort of add. They want to jazz it up. They want to jazz they it up. They wanted to jazz it and up. And we didn't, we really didn't. We wanted to keep it small and real and. Uh, I, I say this a lot because the story, right? I would agree with that. There's not necessarily a car chase. The FBI, spoilers, doesn't smash in the door and raid the radio station. But that doesn't mean there's not drama and thrill and fun and excitement. Well, and there's, and there's, there's, there's that on the narrative level, but then also just on, on the, 
the day-to-day operational stuff, like the minute of running the station. Yeah. Um, because you are put into her shoes. You're, you're given, you're given the, the, the role of, of there's actually multiples of you who are given the role of being her. And in that group you find yourself in, you, you, you get into a rhythm of figuring out like, well, how are you going to do this act collectively? How are you going to act as this person collectively? And how are you going to run the station? And, uh, in, in that there's a little, a little drama to it. Like there's, there's challenge and, 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 you know, happy, fun, collaborative tension. Yeah. I think something we learned in Gatto that we, I think has become sort of a, a core of our work both together and elsewhere when we're uh, consulting on stuff is that um, there is a, that someone speaking up in a group might be, that might be their biggest scare. That might be their Mm. biggest triumph that talking into a microphone might be as thrilling to somebody as solving a puzzle or facing a zombie or any of those other things that are, are, are sort of jumping out of a plane or jumping out of a plane. And that's something that I, I sort of feel like is internalized from having taught a lot of improv, but, yeah. uh, but also that those, so we call them social puzzles, right? That, um, or, you know, this, this collaborative pro- problem solving could be a hundred times more challenging to somebody than a cipher or, I mean, we had, we experienced this in Gatto quite a bit, so many times. Yeah. Uh, whether it's speaking up in a group, reading out loud, stepping onto stage. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> Jeff, that's Jeff's favorite part. Oh my gosh. Watching. To watch it for an escape from Gatto to watch people like sometimes there will be uh, uh, audiences that like just writhe in agony about the notion of having to get on stage and other people just do it <laughs> and, two and, seconds and flat some people just jump right up but oh, yeah. but i think that that those small dramas those internal dramas those internal um leaps yeah i think if we were putting a bunch of stuff on top of it it might take away from that yeah putting yeah. putting a hot mic in front of someone and saying there's you know there's dead air play a song introduce it Let's go. Spoilers. It's okay. I'll let you guys spoil. I didn't <laughs> want to say it. I talk about all the I I my endorsement of this show is you know, I haven't gotten to operate in that mode in 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 some number of years cuz you know, back in high school, uh, you know, this is why I, I do any of the radio stuff at all, right? Like, you know, there was a there was a summer where there was like a radio station program for teens and I wound up going and uh, I wound up becoming the news guy and all my friends were doing the DJ stuff. And then it wasn't, wasn't until like the second year of doing it and being an employee that I started taking. Uh, it was actually, we had every Friday night on KPFB, which was KPFA's repeater station in <laughs> Berkeley. Uh, so it went about six blocks. Uh, and every Friday night we had the time slot and in between and, and three times a year we had, um, classes and we would teach and we, the the teenagers would teach other teenagers, but in the, in the downtime in between we had the station. And so we got to use the station. Like Friday night was our slot. So we had to keep the show going on. You you had two hours, you got to fill it. And so I, I then started to take some shifts uh and doing the news no 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 uh djing oh this so, is the, oh, gotcha. yeah that was when i got to dj so i uh, i was the first year i i never did a dj shift i always did the news and i was the only person doing the news everyone else no one else wanted to do the news so i did the news every friday night 
I loved it. Um, but then, yeah, then I got to do the DJing part and I wound up, I wound up really loving that too. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. And so getting to, getting to DJ again <laughs> in the show, um, uh, oh God, it was just, it was just, you know, kid in a candy store, you know, he's dropping me right back in. I mean, I've always, my, <laughs> this really says something, but like my greatest dream has always been to be just famous enough that I could be a guest DJ somewhere like just like my in my wildest dream it's like this person that most people don't know we're gonna let her uh, choose some songs for you like that's to me like bring a, bring a crate of records oh my god that KCRW guest DJ spot like this chef is gonna play records like man what how a dream can I, how can I get famous enough to be just, a guest just DJ enough. Not yeah. a, just enough yeah. not even a, not a hair more yeah. that's all I want but then this show lets you do it yeah every night every night every night but you got to share. Yeah. But that's, that's fine. Sharing sure. can, sharing is a puzzle. Sharing, is sharing a puzzle. can be a puzzle. And some people don't want to get on the mic. And so, you know, although I think, I think in my group, I think I forced everyone. <laughs> I became station manager very quickly. You got to get on, go, don't let it. And then, and then when dead air was coming, I nearly started to have a panic attack because, <laughs> because that was, that was the thing that was drilled into us. Like no dead air. I think you in particular, like I think we watched you, I mean, we were like, Oh no, Noah will not let this dead air happen. No. <laughs> you were, you were no. the keeper of the flame. No, very no clearly. dead air. No, no dead air. It was, it was drilled into me when I was, you know, 16 years old, like no dead air. That's, that's money. That's money being <laughs> bled out. Well, or tunes that could be that could be the next best tune out well, there. And I'm trying to remember what Sue said. I think she said no, uh, no swear, no swears, no dead airs. She I had some so. some sort of rhyme. Yeah, <laughs> the cheap, yeah. like even though they were pirates, they had those were their rules. So you did it down in San Diego, and now you're bringing it to 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 where where right is it going to be? Where it belongs, right where it belongs in Silver Lake. Oh, sweet. So we are literally blocks from the actual we are a, scene of the crime a very short walk Literal from the original well. closet where this was um yeah the show takes place in silver lake and uh, it was super fun uh working with amy ashton down at la jolla playhouse to help get this thing going and uh we were thrilled to get to do it and now we're thrilled to bring it uh all the way up to silver lake you got to do it for the wow audience and that's, that's a festival audience. It's, it's a theater going audience or they're looking for experimental theater stuff. Obviously we've got the immersive community here in LA. I'm really excited. They get to, you know, explore and experience it. Who else are you hoping discovers this? Oh, that's a great question. That's such a good question. Andy. Well, I do feel like there is something to this show that people who might not go see a play might come to this people that love music love la like la history nerds music nerds experience nerds well that's us yeah yeah (laughs) that's the that's the people in this room right now uh no but but i think i think this is a uh, i shouldn't say experience nerds people that are interested in getting into some sort of immersive or experiential this is i think a great um indie production um, that is really intimate and really exciting and maybe not necessarily a haunt. Um, and I think that's exciting. Well, and I will say, I think going back to sort of our origin story of finding Sue, one of our first conversations with her was explaining the kind of work we did. She, this is not her work, right? right? She's a journalist. <laughs> she's a pirate radio DJ. She's a motorcycle instructor. She is not a 
immersive theater person. Um, but when we explained kind of the community we were in and the kind of work that that our that we and our community, c- community are putting up, she was like, "That's she, that's pretty punk rock." And we were like, "Yeah." It is like, and so she, I think there was some, we never really saw that Venn diagram until she kind of pointed it out, which is that we are, we're finding these strange spaces and exploring the media, you know, and understanding, you know, poking holes in things that are uh, traditional. And she really responded to that and hoping not to get shut down, hoping not to get, the, yeah, we're a little, we're a little more legal yeah a little but i think there was something to the spirit of our community that she re- that resonated with her and i think that would resonate to other rock and roll folk yeah well and 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 maybe we can like stay on this for for a hot second one of the things that continues from from gato here is that y'all take a lot uh, from you know the 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 grammar and the dialectic of escape games but use them and deploy them in an entirely different ways, right? So that, that idea of collaborative play and, you know, sequences that involve, you know, physicality in a space in order to advance story. But again, not ciphers, not puzzles in the traditional sense, but still managing to be these embodied, you know, narrative flow experiences. And, why why do you find yourself keeping drawn back to to that mix of form that's a great question i feel like i've answered this in my head many times um because it's fun i think there's this notion <laughs> of of when i finished reading the book just going like yeah let's just have people come in and run a pirate radio station like it it was just sort of right there and then of course like well what else there's more to it and i will tell you we went through many different drafts of different types of interactive experiences but the the core experience the core thing the core interaction that was always happening was you are there and you are running a radio station i think i think the thing is that we talk i'm going to remind you of a thing you say all the time uh-oh is what is the promise we've made the audience yes. to the audience and how can we help fulfill that promise at all times? And uh, oftentimes some things that feel like a puzzle, although I, I, I don't think that's the right word. I don't know what the word there is. There are a no ch- puzzles. There are no puzzles. Oh in yes. This. In 40 Watts. Oh my gosh. You guys, there are no puzzles. No puzzles. Guys, 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 it's not an escape room. Please yeah. don't try to solve 40 Watts. You're going to make me cry. Um, but don't worry, all the all the escape room people are going to come and, and write them up, and then they'll they'll put it on the on their apps. I so. I we legit had to put a piece of trash One in the star. trash can that said, "This is not a puzzle. Please put this trash back." <laughs> there was like actually trash in at Wowfest. We had to like. And let me say, love, love. We love escape rooms. We love, love the escape room community. Oh yeah. Um, this is not an escape. Okay, so going yeah. back to what mm-hmm. I was going to say is the thing. So you often talk about what's the promise we've yes. made. And sometimes a giving some limitations on the challenge, some guidelines, some clear goals is a way to help fulfill that promise. So, so the question is, could be like, how can, can we create a game that makes choreography happen or blocking in the case of Gato? Like, mm. can we create some sort of um, game that m- has people stand in a certain way so that it becomes blocking? Can we have people collaborate together 
to create this piece of theater it's giving those guidelines that helps fulfill the promise we uh, we did a show at the skirball right before the pandemic hit called builder and the dove and mm. it's a wordless what do we call it it's a you had a great name for it wordless puzzle adventure with puppets wordless puzzle adventure with puppets and the wordless part was a request from the skirball um saying like hey we'd love for this to be language free language free so that anyone traveling through Los Angeles that brings their family to Noah's Ark mm. uh, of any, you know, linguistic abilities can, can participate. And there's a combination lock in this, in this show that the combination is emotions because everyone speaks emotions. Is that, is that okay to say? I think everyone speaks emotions. I mean, most people, but many people. Anyway, it was um, it was a combination lock that was based on. Uh, see, not everyone can read facial facial expressions. Just like you can't that's, say something is scare free, you can't. I mean, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But in any the case, point being, yeah. It, but in order, to, but we got a bunch of kids to sort of act out different emotions, and once they repeated it enough times, it unlocked. They could a see piece the of... sequence, and the sequence was the combination. Nice. The box opened up. So, nice. is it a puzzle? Kind of. Yeah. It, but it, is it also a way to get a whole group to have an emotion at the same time, so that they're experiencing what it feels like to have this Noah-type character? I mean, not you, Noah. Noah, the guy from the boat. I don't know why you guys didn't try to cast me. I mean, you know. <laughs> because no dead air and it was wordless. Because <laughs> wordless. Because okay. the Noah Patreon Nelson. needs you. <laughs> uh, all this to say, in answer to your question, why some of that escape room language, It's we try to only use it when it's in service of fulfilling the promise. And it's less about uh, gates and more about how we can fulfill that promise and giving people enough guidelines so that they can succeed. So it's, it's you're, you're putting into the audience, you're putting into the participants, like the, the actions, you know, like almost in, in a way, or you're drawing it out of them, like the reverse of, of, of a Beckett, right? Like you're not, yeah. you're not giving step by step. You must do this. You must do that. You're you're dropping a chaotic attractor at the end and 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 watching them conform to the arc of of the action. It's like, hey, keep keep the radio station on, no dead air. I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do that. You can figure it out for yourself. But all the pieces are there, and and we're going to make it as I I don't want to say comfortable, but right, we're going to make it as as simple uh, in 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 concept and and thrill it's designed to succeed it's yeah. not designed yes. to except for sometimes we design <laughs> things to be purposely frustrating so let's i just lied strike that but. strike that because well, but, we created an entire show to that causes people to have existential crises and then we also created there are things that we create in order to make yeah. people feel things again that's part of the yeah, so yeah, I, I would i think that's yeah. an important point which as experienced designers there's so much of the work that is about how does it feel to be here? Right. How does it feel to do this? The di- the difference in, with a with a puzzle in an escape room is like it's not a challenge. You're not you're not trying to see whether or not people can beat it. You're not. It's not adversarial. It continues to be a collaborative effort. That's right. You've you've given them the injunctions. They may get frustrated. You want them to get frustrated, but they're still they're still they're still having the experience as intended. They're not just hitting up against a wall. Yeah, and and. I'd say the frustration is a good point because the frustration in some cases in 40 Watts frustration is a feeling we want audience to have because that is what Sue had when she was running a pirate radio station out of her closet. Yeah. 
Um, it was frustrating to have DJs coming in every two hours, 24 hours a day for like a year plus. That's crazy. So she, what so if she, she constantly had people in her apartment yes. running the station, talking yes. in her closet? Imagine, Noah, how, how if you will, imagine, there? close your eyes. No, I don't want to do this. Imagine, if no, you will, no. your apartment. No. And every two hours, nope. someone comes in with a crate of records. Hell no. And plays noise rock. Oh no, you not doing that. <laughs> every two hours. No. And then you're like, you're trying to drift off to sleep, right? No. You're feeling, you're, you're, you've had a long day. And then, and then just squawk. Keep your eyes closed. No, God damn it. No. And then, so, okay, you're drifting off to sleep. Mm-mm. And then just the Red Hot this. Chili Peppers just show up and play a concert in your closet. And then they leave. Oh, and now that would be kind of cool, actually. <laughs> oh, see, but, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been worth it. Did that actually happen? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, and Multiple times she would like just be trying to live her life. And then it would just be like, oh, I guess... This is happening now. <laughs> and uh, someone did talk about a tiny, talk about tiny dance, that. dance co- tiny desktop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tiny, tiny closet concert. The original tiny, tiny closet yeah. concert. Yeah. Uh, someone did record it and upload it. It's on YouTube. You can actually hear oh, wow. that show of uh, Anthony and Flea, I think, playing in Sue's closet. Okay, I'm going to end that down tonight. <laughs> Happy birthday, Flea, by the way. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Flea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Our kid goes to music lessons at Silver Lake Conservatory of Music. So it's a, Flea's birthday is a big, big deal. deal. Big, big deal. deal. All the kids have to sign the card. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm gonna take us somewhere entirely different for a second. We, we might come back around to 40 watts, but I, I've got you here and, and, and ask you questions. Or make declarative statements and see how you react, which is honestly, let's be real, that's how this show actually works. So the declarative <laughs> statement... Um, Y'all are busy on the career side, right? Like you, 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 Andy, were uh, back east for a while, and then you, you just did tricks and treats. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if if you you're being stealth mode or not. Like you're no. working on stuff right now. You're, oh, I mean, I could certainly say I'm the creative producer for Impact Museums. Fantastic. We had, of course, you can listen to episode insert episode number here, uh, where we talked with uh, other folks from Impact Museums. We're not actually inserting the episode number. I just did that for effect. Okay, great. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was but, a journey. No, yeah, we really. That was a journey. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but I won't put it in the show notes. The <laughs> the point is, <laughs> the point is, look it up yourselves. Um, the point is, like a lot of folks of sort of like the class of like 2017, 2018 of like LA's DIY immersive scene, like y'all are like deep in strides in, in career mode, like working for big companies, working for folks, you know, who are looking to make a big impact on the scene, pun intended. Nice. And um, it's just really refreshing to see someone from that class get to come back and do one of the intimate pieces do do a do an art piece and i'm i'm excited to see that i wonder wonder how you guys feel about kind of trying to strike that balance we i I mean we have to i think it's intentional it's super intentional um it's effortful and intentional it also the work we we have a, the two of us. I cannot speak for anybody else. That's right. uh, and and what I can't speak for anybody else's deal. But for us, we've had very specific conversations about our artistic practice and our career and how they overlap and when they overlap. And I mean, basically, the question is like, 
if someone wants to hire us to do a thing, do we do it? If someone wants to hire Mr. and Mischief to to do something like what's the kind of work we take versus the kind of work we turn down and what's the kind of work we do in our career. And we have a lot of really intentional discussions about that. And we have made a commitment to keep Mr. and Mischief as our creative practice. It's our kitchen table, literally. Yes. A uh, company. And that that is really important for us to stay on our game for our other larger scale projects both as in, as individuals we haven't gotten to do like a giant thing together have we no. not that i can think of it would be weird if i forgot it <laughs> um but you both have worked on absolutely giant things sure. separate but the yeah. but they both feed each other you know i think we learn so much from the big theme park stuff and museum stuff that we bring into our small scale work and we certainly learn so much about guest and human behavior in the more intimate work that we do would you agree jeff crocker please do because otherwise i sound like a real jerk face yeah no exactly what you said it's it's very intentional we talk about it quite a bit um and also i think there are times where working independently is very challenging and it is always rewarding and it's always a thrill um, to go through the whole process, all, all the processes, every single bit of it, um, right? This was the first time, uh, 40 Watts from Nowhere is the first time I have ever uh, optioned the rights to a book. Mm. And having the conversation with Sue's literary agent, uh, Bonnie Nadell, about like what we were trying to do also <laughs> was like a very strange conversation about like, well, it's kind of small audiences. And uh, Have you seen Sleep No More? Oh, you haven't. Okay. Uh, have you? Oh, boy. Literally, oh, when boy. she totally. came to see the show, she we walked out it, and, she, and she, we saw her and she was like, oh. We had been talking to her for two years at this point. And she <laughs> finally came and she saw the show. It was the same weekend. Uh, Without Walls was the same weekend as the UCLA. It's not there anymore, is it? Festival the USC of Festival of Books. Oh, uh, the, it's at USC the, now. Oh, uh, the, the, the LA Times Festival of Books. Sure, the yeah, LA yeah, Times yeah. Festival that, of that Books. Yeah. It, was, it was the same weekend. And uh, so she's very busy as a literary agent. And she booked it down to... Mm, booked it. She booked it down to uh I'm going to set up a drinking game for this one every time someone makes a pun intentionally or unintentionally. Um, and she came out of the show and she was like, oh, I get it now. That was super fun. You want to meet some of my other clients? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... So, I, yeah, I think the... the um, sort of racking focus of tiny to giant keeps us flexible and keeps us um fed i feel like oh, artistically probably, oh, artistically oh, fed oh, oh, and yeah, also yeah, literally yeah, actually yeah, both yeah, yes yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we are we can eat food and also <laughs> our our souls are fed yeah. artistically and i think that's important uh, you mentioned that you know you learn a lot from the intimate step to to scale up into the big are uh, is there an example of something that that translated really well, like a lesson from either Gatto or, or or Forty Watts or from the Builder and the Dove that you found deploying? Like, I want to give. First of all, I want to give credit to the person who coined this term, Sarah Parga, uh, who is someone that uh, worked with us on Gatto, and I also taught improv with her and worked with her for a million years. And she talked when we worked at an improv summer camp together. She always talked about the shy camper and 
spotting the shy camper and giving them their hero moment. And that's something that we've really tried to build into all of our shows is find the shy camper and make sure there's something there for the shy camper. That's that person that is not going to jump on the mic or jump on the stage or say me first and making sure there is a moment built in just for that kind of player. That's something that we do in our small scale stuff. And I think both of us really try to keep it in mind in large scale stuff. Now, instead of having one shy camper, you might have a hundred shy campers or a thousand shy campers, but making sure that there are moments for those folks that are carved out, that are ready to give them those moments. That's something that is critical. That an experience can't be brute forced uh, with just the people that are, you know, gung ho about something, mm. um, that there's always going to be space and availability for the whole range of, was it the divers, waiters, and swimmers? And yeah, and having some interactions that are gentler, that are, yeah. you know, meeting them on their level. That, you know, I, I think that that is something I feel lucky that we've been able to build into our larger scale work. Um, the other thing. Cozy immersive. Sorry, I just, I just. Portman- <laughs> I am on board for cozy immersive. I, I just a, a, port, a portmanteau popped in my head. I had to just share it. Support I, hard I, support. I apologize. There no, don't you dare! Don't you dare apologize for a portmanteau. Episode three sixty four. Cozy immersive. <laughs> <laughs> it might happen. Um, I'd be we use. I th- I think many experienced designers think about this, but we like to use genre shortcuts quite a bit. Mm. Um, so for example, Escape from Gatto, it all takes place in a theater. Uh, so we're leveraging the vocabulary and the social interactions that are associated with a theater. And that's an interesting way of thinking about site specificity or site ad- ad- adaptivity. Yeah. Like it's not just like, oh, what kind of story could we tell in the space because of the shapes of it? It's like, what kind of things happen here and how can we use that to create experience? Yeah. yeah same objectivity was... Zoom site-specific. It site-specific. The site was Zoom. How, what do people do on Zoom? How do they behave on Zoom? And what is the genre of Zoom? So it's not even just the genre of like... Endless it, nightmare? It, no. It, tr- truth. <laughs> it, legitimately. And so whether it's um, pirate radio or a theater piece or Zoom those are those shortcuts that we kind of, you have an understanding in a language, a social language. Yeah. And that is definitely something that can scale up. Absolutely. Um, let's say, for example, you're on like a fancy cruise. Uh-huh. That's not, How, that's not in the water maybe? I mean, whether they're in the water space or inside of a volcano, people behave in certain ways on cruises. So it's not the genre of whether it's in a volcano or ocean or whatever, but how this with the social genre is a shortcut. Yes. Um or in a you know, I'm trying to think of a Halloween version from the other project because I don't want to talk about your projects or your projects to talk about. Say but- you're in a toxic waste spill area mm-hmm. and there are zombies and they just want to rock and roll oh wait that's tricks and treats yeah i was like what show is this i'm very into the jeff are you breaking an nda <laughs> no i can't talk about anything <laughs> oh yeah that's i'm sorry jeff i didn't mean to that's okay force you to talk about something anyway um genre shortcuts that's genre shortcuts yeah yeah radio right that's i think noah you hit on it earlier which is you 
you walked into that radio station, you're like, oh no. Uh, or also, oh yes, well, like, it was all oh yes, oh yeah, yeah, oh yes. yeah. It was only when the, it was only when people were like, uh, uh, and I was like, oh, that song is going to end, and you need to talk, <laughs> be ready to go, or I will scream at you. Uh, <laughs> that's when the oh no happens. Yeah, but you just transfer that oh no to someone else, and then it's no longer you're their problem. It's no longer your problem. That's the secret, right? And, and so you approached that from a very specific angle and experience, and maybe nostalgia of radio. And we've had just as many people come at it with the same amount of vigor and fervor uh, from just seeing a crate of records. And Mm -hmm. just be like, oh, you know what that feeling is to dig through the records and flip through. And each one you're hoping to find something that you either want to play because you know it or want to play because it's weird. And And hopefully both. (laughs) And even if you're not a record person, everyone knows that social interaction of wanting to share a song you love. Yeah. What, and the format is, I mean, listen, I love me some records, but the format is less important that that is a, an almost universal yeah. feeling. So to tie it back to your question is like when you're working with a giant IP or with a commission, you're being commissioned by an institution to create something or a company, then it's the same thing of trying to examine what are those things that we already know people feel about this or how they interact within this and they they don't need to be loud too i think a lot of people come in i think sometimes uh, some of this genre stuff comes in pretty pretty hot and it doesn't need to like a lot of it is just people's expectations and uh, previous experiences do a lot of the work for us as experienced designers yeah i think that's something people don't get about genre anymore maybe because our culture is sort of monoculture down again in a very weird way in terms of like how we understand genre, but there's all kinds of genre conventions, you know, there, there's some very quiet genres as it were, but they have their own rules. They have, they have ways they go and you, you fall into those scripts. It makes me think of when, when Lauren Ludwig talks about social scripts, right? Yeah, it's like a similar, that's exactly right. It's yeah. a similar thing, right? But like different genre it's, I don't know. Everyone knows. I haven't even mentioned it, but like, you know, I'm watching Andor these days, right? You know, like as one does. And uh, and it's all, you know, like there, there's a there's an arc that was a heist movie and like it gets into like heist movie genre conventions and things happen in a sequence and you're a little bit like, well, which type of heist movie is this? Like what's going to happen? When's this, or is this beat going to drop or not? You know, and the way they play within, both within and with those conventions manages to create something that's, actually wants to be really deep and quiet and particularly quiet for a star Wars, even when it goes loud. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, what, those are a couple of things. There's a few things that have, they've translated up. What are, what are things that don't, what are, what are things that haven't, that seem to have a hard time making the leap from the intimate to the, uh, Hey, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to spend a year designing something or two years designing something. You know what genre maybe isn't so hot on a giant scale? Just like a day in the life. It's <laughs> maybe not something you want to like have a thousand people do at the same right. time. Like <laughs> it's just a day. I mean, I, although I will say that, uh, you know, sometimes it's like the theme is a day in a theme park. Um, mm. But <laughs> but I think there is something, you know, there there's some things that maybe are too gentle and quiet. I don't know. Is that... 
are you giving me the challenge accepted look? <laughs> no, no. I I think I'm just thinking of the. I don't want to say trope. Uh, I'm thinking of the the style of theme park writing uh, that many of our c- colleagues know very well, which is just like, hey, it's just a normal day, everybody. Oh no, everything's gone wrong. Um, which I kind I used to sort of roll my eyes at, and now I'm like, you know what? Man, it gets you into the action fast. Mm. It sets you up. It gets you into the action, and it can lead to something very thrilling and fun and exciting. Uh, so I understand it. Uh, that being said, I think you know I tend to me personally, I tend to look at the things that are done over and over again and be like, all right, what can we do different? Um, yeah. And I uh, I think you have to be uh, there. Are, mm, to use this say this correctly i think um collaboration is different on a larger scale that's what i was gonna say yeah and different not impossible it's just not it's not a direct line necessarily Mm. um there are some folks that are really incredible at getting large scale collaboration it's just a it's just a different beast i think people in in larger group sizes are either more likely to be with more of their friends and family, uh, colleagues, and therefore are already not necessarily going to collaborate with strangers. Mm. And I think that is, that's something we love to do. We love to uh, get strangers to have a reason to play together and have a reason to understand like there's nothing it's there's not no huge stakes we are here to have fun we're not going to embarrass you we're not going to embarrass you i'm not and i will say like i've seen it done beautifully before on a large scale so i'm not saying it can't be done it's just a very just different right it's just a different design process than you would for five people in a room yeah. i start i start thinking of like you know group dances right you know and like like of the old ways and you know starts out with the partners but then like rotates around like you know balls and whatnot of 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 the of the like edwardian stuff (laughs) noah that is a great example because i think immediately of ghost town alive and Mm. the the hoedown at the end of the day is everyone's there they've been playing the whole day they may not have played with all the same characters or the same park goers but at the end of that hoedown they're trying to get everyone to line dance together and a lot of people just line up and they just dance and whoever's across from them they dance with but they earned that over a whole day of play yeah. whereas like if you're like if we tried to do that morning hoedown everybody <laughs> if you if you tried to do a hoedown first thing disaster and on the flip side if we tried to do a hoedown with five strangers like that would be a really different process to have you lift those, to get yeah. those folks to to dance together. Yeah. So it's just a really different process. It it, t- it takes a different design. Yeah. It's all about the design. All right. We we we've talked about big picture stuff. We've we've talked about forty watts. We're, we're going to land the plane here in a second. We're going to come to the end of our broadcast day, as it were. Just, is there anything else about this show about the, about the way you put this one together? that's that's different from what you've done before that that you're you're glad you took a crack at this time the coven the coven jeff has been welcomed into a coven oh uh we jokingly call it the coven because we very much we were like this is a story about a badass woman let's tell it with as many badass women 
as possible. And at one point, Jeff was literally the only male identifying human working on the show. That's right. Um, And well, I'm not going to speak for you. I feel like it was a cool experience for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was super intentional. Super intentional. Um, Everyone that is working with us is great. I don't know what else to go with that. Well, I just remember there was a night where we were, um, we were at the like food area at wow fest. And, and so it was very intentional from casting and when we were putting it together, but when we had, you know, finished our first run and we were all having dinner outside and it was this table full of women talking about just this huge range of experiences of, um, the immigrant experience and, you know, being multilingual and coming from this kind of theater background and what's it like to be a voiceover artist and, you know, what's it like to be an only child? Like it was just like a huge range of these experiences. And Jeff is just at the end of the table, just, uh, it, it was a new, I think you're in an industry that's what we both are. We all are in an industry that is cis, hetero white male yes dominated yes <laughs> and uh to sit at this table and be a part of this crew that very actively was you know made up of badass women has been a really incredible experience for me and i think also was cool to watch you in that i experience. highly recommend it i endorse <laughs> it it's a great experience um and everyone's yeah and it was inspired by the story and the uh and I think the thing is, is that in, you know, there's a long history of casting being, you know, you know, cis, straight, hetero, white, male is is neutral and everything else is a choice. And mm, we yeah. just shifted like, OK, our neutral, we're just going to shift what our neutral is and everything else other than that is a choice. Um, so uh, that's a, I mean, that's just generally like a, a great frame like where's you know where's your center like where's the center of perspective on on this story and so what aligns with that and let's let's build that spine and then if there's wings off of it like that's that's a choice to deviate from the center point it's a really uh great way to build a community and to build a cast and to and, and and this is in no way saying um, being exclusionary to any other type of human that works on our show, but we just wanted to shift what our neutral was. Yeah. And just by making that shift, uh, we I think this show is stronger for it. It tells the story in the way that we wanted to tell it, which was, you know. Intentional. Intentional. 40 Watts from Nowhere, coming to Silver Lake, when, how... We knew because we already know who. 40 Watts from Nowhere is playing at a secret location in Silver Lake. Secret. Shh. But Silver Lake is not big. November 10th. <laughs> November 10th. Silver Lake is. We walked most of Silver Lake to look for a place. This is another conversation we should have. One day I will, we will tell you okay. about how what took to get find a secret location. Um, 40 Watts from Nowhere, November 10th through December 18th. Ticket link is in the show notes, everybody. I love or, it. Or go bop bop on over to the everything immersive dot com. Yeah. yeah, that was like, <laughs> everything immersive.com. It you can find it there. And I've got good news for all the listeners. Oh. 
Patreon members will have access to a coupon code. So it's really not good news for all the listeners. It's good news for the Patreon members. I assume they can all choose. the listeners are Patreon members. Uh, Noah, is it possible that not all the listeners <laughs> are Patreon members? Well, yes. Uh, there, there may be a few people, and if they're here in Los Angeles... Let's pretend I am not a Patreon member. It's not like it costs two bucks, does it? Uh, it is... It is Two dollars a month huh. is where you can start off. And you know what? If you wanna if you wanna be that guy, you can you could pay two dollars, get your discount code. That coupon's gonna be five dollars. So you could you could get pay two dollars to save five. Saves two dollars to save five. You could you could go that way if you wanted to. But also if I became a Patreon member, mm-hmm. would I get access to other coupon codes? Uh th- th- that has happened in the past and it is our hope that it continues to happen in the future. Yes. It seems like a great deal. Yeah. And uh and maybe maybe, you know, they're there's occasionally, very occasionally, uh, some extra content in the uh, podcast feed and other things, and maybe one day just a story about hunting locations in Silver Lake, just like thirty minutes of, of that tale. Oh my god, it's a wild ride. Okay, I can't yeah, wait to share that. That one. feels that felt that sounds like an actual fun bonus to do. So, uh, I love a good Silver Lake story. So, you know, I'm always always trying to innovate over here. You know. By, by which I mean, I always think about doing stuff and then I don't. But I, I really, I really hope. <laughs> Wait, is that what innovating is? Then that's exactly what. Oh innovating my gosh! Is. Then I am an innovator. <laughs> you are a disruptor. Oh, oh wait. So disrupting is just thinking of things and and not doing them. Then I am. Well, I am such a disruptor. <laughs> Holy smokes! No, no, disruptor. Disrupting is, is innovating is when you think about things and don't do them. Uh, disrupting is when you think about things, don't do them, but then tweet about them. Ah. So you got oh, So I guess I'm just an yeah, innovator. Yeah, you're just an innovator. Sorry. Yeah. I, I lied to you. I <laughs> hope people innovate their credit cards to Patreon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't have to go so hard. Uh, but yes, that is the good news. The coupon code's going to be in there, uh, and that'll be right when uh, tickets go on sale, which will be um, at some point uh, not too long after this airs, we figure. No, they will already be on sale. I was going to... Go oh. live after we recorded this because we oh. open on November 10th. Oh, that's true. And it is that's October true. 17th. Yeah. All right. Tickets will tickets are already on sale. Tickets are on sale. And in fact, you might have already gotten the Patreon code. In fact, you probably did. So probably probably you general listeners, you already know all that because uh, it, it went out like a nice warning uh, the night we recorded this. So, yeah. If you have any pre-1998 CDs in their jewel cases and you're looking to get rid of them, please give them to us. We never have enough. Offer good for all CDs except Dookie. Oh, God. We have We're so good. many copies of Dookie. We're good. We're good, everybody. Can I have one? Yes. Yes. Good, because I don't have a CD copy of Dookie anymore. Do you want 10 copies no, of Dookie? No, I just want one that's not too scratched Great, up. so nine copies. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm being, I'm not actually joking. I'm being serious. So. I'm neither am I. Yeah. No, I know. That's good. <laughs> All right. So let's review. Patreon backers already know they got their codes because the codes went out when tickets went on sale, which is fantastic. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe it's already sold out. So check and see before, cause that's, a, that's, that that's a possibility. Oh, it could from be, your mouth to God's ears. Well, it out. could, it could happen. It could happen. So I'm just always trying to avoid everyone joining the Patreon thinking they get something for free and then say, wait, I didn't get it. I want my $2 back. Cause someone out there is going to be that way. Not you. You're, you're not. That You'll get no, your $2, you're, but you're we're going to pay you in dookie CDs. <laughs> But that means you so need a, two Dookie CDs. No, I was about to say that you mean you need two hundred Dookie CDs to pay someone. Wow, wow! Just because there's so many of them. Oh, oh we, we know. know. <laughs>
once again, I want to thank Andy and Jeff for being our guests on the podcast this week. As you can tell, we we have a lot of fun when we get to talking with each other. In fact, uh, <laughs> I, hang around, I hung around in their living room for like another two hours afterwards. It was actually like, oh my goodness. <laughs> This, this has been this has been a minute. Uh, we we had a grand old time, and uh, I think that that, that comes through. Uh, it was also uh, this this past Monday was just a great day for recording. Uh, I'll explain why in one second. But do if you're in LA, if you're in LA, like please take my word for it. Uh, particularly if you've already checked out their work, if you saw Escape from Gato, you know what they can do. You know you should snap up a ticket and hopefully your Patreon backer can grab that coupon and get a little little something off of it. Uh, and if uh, you haven't checked out Escape from Gato, if you didn't do that, if you don't know, uh, you totally need to check this out. This is just really an incredible, incredible use of the form. And I'm delighted that so many of you are going to get to be introduced to their work for the first time. And right here in Los Angeles. And if you happen to be coming into town, if you're going to be traveling in during the time they're doing it, maybe, you know, might be worth it. I'm not saying you should travel in specifically for this. It is, it is, it is only about an hour long show. Not even, maybe not even an hour. It's like, it's just a little bit of time. Please don't do that. Some people are going to do it. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You can do that. Maybe you're coming in for some other reason. Pack it all together. Anyway, I'm hyped that this is uh, coming along. Uh, I was super punchy uh, <laughs> during that interview because I had woken up that morning early and got myself together early because uh, I had an interview with someone in London. And that person uh, will be the, uh, the subject of episode 366. So not next week's episode, uh, but the one that's coming up after the bye week. So we get 365 next week, uh, where we're actually talking with the CEO of Cosm, uh, which is uh, a company that's building um, building dome uh, centers uh, around the country, uh, starting with one here in Los Angeles. Um, they actually have a, a really storied history. You see what I did there? I just I started going to the other thing when you're like, what's what, who, who, London 366? What's going on? So 365 is next week. It's Cosm. That was a really great uh, interview with Jeb Terry. Uh, and I'm looking forward to sharing that one with you. And then we take a bye week while I'm in Denver for the Denver Immersive Gathering. And then uh, it's uh, Felix Barrett of Punch Drunk for episode 366. And just, you know, first time we've had, uh, we've had Felix on the show. And I got to say, uh, it was a really great conversation. So I'm really really looking forward to sharing that one with you as well. And something that was fun for me was that there were things that Jeff and Andy were talking about in this week's episode, uh, that resonated with things, uh, or, or even felt almost in response to things Felix was saying. Now, not really because of course they weren't actually talking to each other, but the themes kind of came up, uh, ideas exchange. So, when you get to that episode, uh, hopefully you've listened to all of this episode. Uh, you listen to this part, I guess you did. Uh, and and they 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 play into each other in in a couple of spots. And I'll do an irregular afterwards after we do Felix's uh, and and talk about you know kind of where what I saw where you know these two in conversation. So uh, just just some really exciting stuff coming here to the feed. Uh, exciting work coming to LA 
and just just really, you know, the world isn't always easy, but uh, I do get excited when our little corner of it seems to be doing well. And uh, right now, that's the vibe I'm getting. So on that note, the associate producer of this podcast is Parker Sella. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and of Solar, the podcast. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. And this podcast is produced and voiced, and indeed, everything wrong with it is my fault. I am Noah Nelson, and until next time, I will see you at the show. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna start recording. This will be like the this will be the after material. Great. Right? Okay. So, cause like I got, cause I still gotta do the intro. Okay. So what you do is you take your fist mm-hmm. and you sort of imagine you're, you're, you're thinking of the thing like an ice cream cone. So like my, what my, thing? The, the microphone. This is radio. Right. They can't yeah, see I it. I know. <laughs> this is the after material though. No, no. <laughs> so uh, don't choke up uh, too high on the mic. So you see that little band on the shore here below? Yes. So it's a shore, and then there's a little band. Your hand underneath that band is is good. Like you're good. You a little bit lower. Yeah. That was but, to Andy, but, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Um, so long as you're below the line, you're good there. And then you don't want to you don't want to hear because that's what you're eating the mic. Um, you're getting ready to eat the ice cream cone. So you take your hand and about a about a fist away from the mic. Now, if you talk into it this way, no one can really hear what you're saying. It's just like this, this is, is a true. spacer. Yeah, but it's a spacer. And then if you want to deal with plosives, which is a pop and peas, you just tilt a little side so you're talking past the microphone. <gasps> this is also this why. Is, this is good. This is great. This is good yeah. Great radio-related content. Yeah. This, this is also why I don't use, I own P-pop screens, but I never use P-pop screens because I'm always talking past the mic. If I was talking directly in, I would totally need to use a P-pop screen. And, but it does it does change the quality of the, of the sound that's sure. picking up. Oh, but I should probably close that window because that a, dog is going to be really annoying. It's okay. We're 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 live and we're we're on we're on scene. So Great. I don't I don't mind. I actually kind of I I kind of like stuff like that. Do you <laughs> like the sort of like location ambiance? I do. You get ready really for our do. kid to wake up and give us some real location. Well, that's, that's that's what we're getting <laughs> the ready for. The pitter pad of six year old feet. All right. So that's the back matter, and now we're going to roll into the start.